The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at karm.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. You're listening to Matt Slick Live. If you want to give me a call, as usual, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. We have nobody waiting right now. Tomorrow is Friday, and uh, we're going to do hey, some, some hate mail. Now, I, I was doing my, our voicemails for the ministry today, and had like, oh, I had a bunch. So I was behind. I'm still behind in so many things. And so uh, I got a really good hate mail. So... But it's a hate voicemail, so what I want to do is uh, is play it tomorrow, and we'll see how it goes. Because sometimes people call up, you know, and then we can do all day uh, show of, uh, of stuff. And also, I'm just going to let you know that we're going to do uh, starting in Jan- uh, starting in January, starting in December, we're going to be doing a matching funds drive. So whatever you donate to CARM uh, will be doubled. Uh, so if you donate ten, it'll become twenty, and we'll be going through that. Starting tomorrow, it's the uh, month of December. Just uh, heads up for that. Praise God. We always do need that kind of support because that's how we stay on the air. We stay on the air by your support. And if you don't support us, well, then <laughs> then we don't uh, then we don't uh, get around the air. You know, it's just that simple. Okay. So I want to say thanks to all of you who are helping. In fact, I don't get to say this very often. I just thought of something. Uh, you know, I'm the face, unfortunately. I'm the face of Carm and the voice of Carm as well. And so I've been doing this for so long. However, there are people behind the scenes that really do help out. And one of them is Dara, D-A-R-A. She oversees the forums. Now, the forums have been a problem. And I need to get in and fix them. I need to decide if I'm gonna, what I'm going to do. But she's very helpful. And uh, that's what. And we also have Joanne, and what Joanne does is she runs the the prayer ministry, and she kind of oversees uh, the clubhouse room when we're doing that. And we have Laura, and uh, what Laura does is she helps out with SEO and a little bit of uh, editing stuff. She'll go through and look at my articles because you know when, when you write something, you can't see your own stuff, and she'll go through. Oh, there's a little typo. She'll do that every now and then. And that's helpful. And then we have uh, Ernie. And Ernie, he does some video work. And for those of you who may uh, know, we did a um, fundraising for him to get a computer so that he could do better graphic work because his computer was so old, couldn't handle what was needed to be done. So now we're turning a lot of uh, stuff that I do here online into videos and some other stuff into videos. It's great because that's what I've been praying for. It's what I've been wanting is someone who'll do the video work. Well, I just produce the raw stuff, and that way I can get more stuff out. So Arnie's been doing that, and he helps with the social media. And then there's Charlie. And Charlie, he's the guy who introduced me to apologetics uh, by reading a quote from Joseph Smith to me back in 1980. Was it 79 or 80? We don't remember. We just say 1980. And uh, might be 79, though. I don't know. What do you think, Charlie? I think it could be. It could be, yeah, because we're both pretty old. And so he read me this quote, and I, I snatched it out of his head. Who said this? And it was the quote where Joseph Smith boasted he did more than Jesus to keep a church together. 
made me mad. So uh, he said, Joseph Smith, we got, you know, and he introduced me to um, Jerry and Marion Bodine, who were working with Walter Martin uh, at CRI, Christian Research Institute in uh, Southern California. And that's how it all started. Anyway, we have people who help. We also have on the outskirts of people who help. We have um, Ken. He helps us with a few things now and then. He doesn't really work with us much, but he's always there to help us out. We also have a guy named Ryan, and uh, he does uh, missionary support and some other things. So we've got a lot of people that are helping out, and we're looking for, I'm looking for writers for CARM. And get this, now here's a little something. Um, the, the church I used to go to, Calvary Chapel in in Eagle, which is just uh, 20 minutes from where I live, 20, you know, 15 minutes. And um, so he retired. They have a new pastor in there. And I don't go to that church anymore because I'm not fond of how they do it, the new stuff. I like the, the way uh, Pastor Mike did it. And so he's a Calvary Chapel guy. And so he's retired, but he's still kind of serving there a little bit here and there. And uh, I ran an idea by him because I, I thought, you know, it'd be cool to have him write for Carm as long as he doesn't step on some of the things that we believe in, you know, like, uh, you know, eternal security. He, he He's wishy-washy on that. And I want to sit there and, and go for a Bible study with him sometime, but nevertheless. So, uh, you know, maybe he'll, he'll end up writing for us. And also in the doctorate program that I'm in, which I may or may not continue. I keep saying that, but I don't know if I'm going to do it. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple women in there who really are sharp. And I would love it if they were to write for CARM, uh, because we need women writing for CARM. Uh, we, we need uh, the ladies who can get in there and answer questions from the ladies about women issues from a biblical perspective. That would be great. Uh, I would love to, to have that. So I'm going to ask them about that kind of a thing sometime. So there you go. Oh, I forgot. I forgot one really important person who uh, really helped us out. And that's my wife. So my wife, Anique, she, even though she's mostly bedridden uh, because of her, her bad condition of uh, deterioration, sorry is what it is, but uh, she works in bed on a laptop and then sometimes she'll stand for 10 minutes to 15 minutes a day uh, trying working at a desk and that's about the, what she can do. And she does stuff like um, the data entry, which I hate doing. I hate doing that. It just drives me crazy. And she doesn't mind it. Great. You do what you're good at. And she is um, she's uh, training someone named Tracy who comes to the Bible study. And Tracy's a sweetie. And so she's going to volunteer to help out and, and take some of the slack off of, off of my wife. So I think that's it. And uh, I can't think of anybody else. Oh! We have email. Oh, I forgot. We have Dave Kimball. Dave's a friend. Dave and, and uh, Charlie and I have known each other for over 40 years. Dave and Charlie are on the board of directors. So there's Charlie Spine, Dave Kimball. And so um, he he helps with legal stuff. And if we have a legal issue, he foots the bill to contact the legal people and be the liaison of all of that. It really helps. And he oversees the email helpers. And Tim is the only one I remember his name in there. And they do, they help with the emails. So, so I think that's everybody. Do you think of anybody else, Charlie? 
I'm looking at this picture and I can't think of anybody. And then uh, there's the the help that are that uh, I know that Charlie's wife gives to him, which is usually arm hits, and that's that's usually medicinal arm hits. That's always good. And uh, I can't think of anything else. Let's see, it's like in the private chat. So I'm just kind of just thinking through. Oh, thanks, our missionaries. I forgot all about that, man. Man, okay. So we have a missionary in Turkey that we're supporting, but he's not doing mission work, so it sounds odd to have a missionary who's not doing mission work. But we're supporting him as a future missionary because he's been going through a seminary for a few years. We've been supporting him so that he can do that. And uh, he speaks three languages, Turkish, English, and he also speaks Russian. And he's trying to learn Spanish. I think he's learning Spanish. He might even know another language. And so when he gets his degree, he wants to work with CARM. And I've told him, I said, look, we're, we're supporting you, but don't feel obligated. You have to work with CARM. If some ministry hires you that you can take care of your family better, that there's no hard feelings because this is support for the kingdom of God, not just for the kingdom of CARM. And so he's expressed a de definite interest to continue to work with us. So praise God for that. And we have... Uh, um, we have Moses, and he's in Nigeria, and uh, we help him out every now and then, and he's preaching and teaching the gospel out there to a lot of people. And then we have Joster, and he is in Malawi, and he does a lot of work where he travels and uh, around the area in, in South Africa, and he goes to the neighboring nations, and uh, he preaches and teaches, and we support him, and others do too. It just, you know, we can share the support. Then we have David, uh, who is uh, David Brito. He's in Brazil, and he's a missionary that we have in Brazil. He runs the Portuguese website. And then finally, last but not least, we have Carlos Carbiras, and he is in Bogota, Colombia. And... Um, so I practice my Spanish with him. And he runs the Spanish version of CARM, miapeak.org, M-I-A-P-I-C. He's really good at his theology, too. And, of course, when you translate a lot of stuff, uh, you learn stuff. And so he's translated a lot. He's learned a lot. And uh, I've met him a couple of three times. In fact, David Brito and Carlos and myself and Dave Kimball, we all went to Israel earlier this year. It was great. We were hoping Charlie could make it, but he couldn't make it. And so, be, you know, just have a great uh, time of all of us. And so I get to meet the missionaries all together. It was so great to see them. It really was a blessing uh, to be able to do that. And uh, there you go. I think that is it. I cannot think of anybody else. You got anybody else you can think of, Charlie? Or Laura? Or Ernie? No, I don't think there's anyone else. So there you go. That's just a impromptu little... Um, uh, yeah, I got all them. That's right. Uh, that's right. Uh, uh, people are helping out with names and stuff. I think that's all. And then we have, and this is a, uh, this is a support, believe it or not. Oh, did, did I, I said Joanne. That's right, I did. Um, I did mention Joanne already, right? We've got so many I'm talking about. Yeah, okay. And one of the things that I find supportive, believe it or not, are the people in uh, the chat room uh, when we do the show. And I have four monitors. I look at my upper left, and there's people in there. You know, there's Steve and Laura, Ernie, and uh, some others. And we only have 38 in there right now, but sometimes I'll type their names in or they'll say something. And uh, Marsha, 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 Marsha is in there. Well, anyway, there's others. And if they type her name in really fast, I'll, I'll say it really quickly over the, the, uh, the air. But I, I really enjoy watching them. 
I enjoy uh, the the fact that they're there together, fellowshipping, and things are happening. And I find that um, you know helpful. It's encouraging to me to to see that and and uh, and stuff like that. Matt, Matt announced donations being doubled in December. That's right, I did. That's right. So if you want to help us out, if you want to help us out, uh, please let us. Um, let us know. Or you can just go to, I'll just tell you how to do it. I mean, you can do it tomorrow, but because um, tomorrow's December 1st. And uh, you just go to karm.org forward slash donate. And whatever you donate for the entire month of uh, of December. So uh, if you're already donating, you know, on a regular basis, like $5 a month, it won't be double this already. Uh, it's just what it is. But anything new that comes in. And, uh, that'll be doubled so if it's a one time or a recurring so if you do a recurring for say ten dollars you know a month for the whole you know you, you start that for the year next year well that's 120 dollars and then that'll be doubled so you see all right how about that all right there we go all right all right all right let's get to alberto from georgia alberto welcome you are on the air yeah my good evening actually my question is how come when christians if they be behave worldly or in the world, Christians in the world consider them hypocrites. But when the Roman Catholic people who claim to be child of God, they behave worldly, and you know the world doesn't accuse them being hypocrites either by either, either by Christians or the world. Like example, like the well, lot of Roman Catholic, they they they, they, they being St. Patrick's Day drinking, acting all crazy, and yet they're trying to consider themselves <laughs> Catholics, but nobody's saying nothing to them. There's so much to say about that, <laughs> but there's a break. So hold on, buddy. We'll come back after the break, all right? Hey, folks, if you want to give me a call, two open lines, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back. We have two out of four lines open. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Alberto, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. All right, so why is there a bit of hypocrisy going on with people who claim to be Christians and like Catholics and stuff, and yet get drunk and do stuff, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. Why they why they treat the Catholic Christians wrongly, but the other Catholics they don't get the same treatment. Why is that? Well, I understand it's not exactly true, but it generally is true. Uh, the Catholics are known for uh, being able to um, do things because they can go to their priest and be forgiven. So, uh, Catholicism is an apostate religion, and any adherence to the official doctrine are not saved. They, they've given themselves to a religion instead of Christ. And so with that religion, the, the way you do things is you, uh, you can sin, not that you're supposed to because the Catholic Church says not to, but if you do, just go to a priest and, and he just absolves you and you're okay. And so this attitude has developed uh, in people, in Catholicism, the attitude that they can, you know, they'll be forgiven. It's okay, you know, not to live that, that much of a sanctified life, and that's one of the signs of lack of regeneration of people, and so that's that's one of the reasons 
because they're known for that. And so in Protestantism, less so. That's not to say that some Protestants aren't like that as well, but far less so because they understand, they're supposed to understand, uh, we live for Christ because we're justified by faith and that we don't look to priests to forgive us and a confessional to go make things right. We look to Jesus. We've got to face him directly. And that's a, a point, is that as, as a Protestant, one of the differences, we, as Protestants, we go straight to Jesus. We've got to face him directly. But what's interesting is in Catholicism, you don't. You don't go to Christ directly. You go to an inter intermediary. So you don't have to face Jesus. You face what the church tells you to face. And it's easier to deal with um, with uh, your sin that way. Uh, because when you, when you sin, you go face Christ directly with him. You're in his presence and it stings because you've saddened Christ. You've injured Christ's... Uh, reputation you know in our sin in our fellowship is affected but with Catholicism for example that's not the case your sin causes a separation but uh, you just go to the church and uh, the church will make it right so uh, you don't face Christ you face the church you face the priest and it's just one of the ways the Roman Catholic Church has replaced Christ with itself and uh, so it's idolatrous in that sense but at any rate so that's one of the things that uh, that lays the foundation for that that observation that uh, they can go out and sin because they can go to the so, priest or the confessional and have it taken care of. But well, my, 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 my thing is, is are Christians being most persecuted worldwide and mocked by the world as uh, are, are Roman Catholics treated the same way around the world? Right? I, I can't tell you. I, killed, I don't like know Christians. how... I don't know how they're all treated around the world. I just not done research in it. I can't say they're treated equally, but I am aware of culturally, at least here in America, where the Catholics are kind of known to be able to go do stuff uh, that's less than sanctified, and then they can go be, uh, you know, be forgiven. Like the mafia, you know, they go to their, they have, they go, they have a lot of Catholic mm -hmm. stuff in, in the mafia, and it, it's, you know, they. Have, I've seen mafia movies where they have uh, uh, crosses on, or Mother Mary is is a part of their their culture and, and stuff like this. So it's just a religion. It's not uh, it's not true Christianity. Okay. Yeah, it's like it's like the Pope. He 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 befriends the Muslims. He befriends all the other religions in the world, so they're not going to be attacked uh, in the in a manner as. A Christian will, right? Because the Christian yeah. believes in exclusivity that Christ alone is the way to heaven and to God. But Roman Catholics, they don't, they don't see it that way, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. And uh, you're right. I think there's there's some of that, and it's uh, what it is. You know, it's just how it is. Okay. But it's, it would take a lot of research to really kind of deal with mm -hmm. that issue. All right. I don't have that right mm -hmm. now. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Thank you. All right, big man. God right. bless. Okay. All right. All right. Let's get to Jeff from Ohio. Hey, Jeff. Where? Welcome. You're on the air. Hi. Hi, Matt. Mm -hmm. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. I uh, I just got a few unanswered uh, questions or answers and. Some things I understand, but some things I don't. Okay. Uh, 
God wanted to God wanted to heal me, and I told him I didn't want him to heal me because my prayer life went up to snuff, and I said to myself, "Well, he took this my sin upon himself, and I just wanted to like suffer a little bit because, of course, the Bible says, I mean, we got to bear." Uh, each another's burdens and pick up our cross daily and, and I just feel like one of the uh, Hebrew three Hebrew children and right now and when you, uh, I think it was uh, that uh, I don't know it's Jehoshaphat or, or whoever, whoever it was told him to get into the fiery furnace and well, um, what's your I'm not sure exactly where you're going do you have a, a specific question? Yeah, uh, it was, uh, like I said, he wanted to heal me, and I didn't want to, and I didn't know okay. if that was sin or or if he would still heal me anyway and let well, me let's, in. Let's talk about that. So if he didn't okay. want him to heal you, that's not sinful. If you have a reason that's no. godly, you don't want to be. It's not sinful yeah. in and of its. It's not yeah, sinful. Yeah, that's true. It, yeah. Okay, so it's not sinful in and of itself. It just depends on what's going on and at the motivation behind that. All right, and if you yeah, want him to yeah. heal you, if you want him to heal you now, you can ask him to heal you. It's, that's okay. Yeah, he he will. He will. I've seen. I've seen a little bit of the big picture and some of heaven and and of course I've read the Bible all the way through and okay. and I just I don't know I just have to keep like fasting and believing and asking and knocking and yeah and just do that mm -hmm. yeah okay you answered my question, then. All right. You have a good day, then. You too. Well, God bless. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. We have nobody waiting right now. And uh, during the break, I was looking at a, a couple of emails. And one of them stuck out. And I want to address that email right now from someone who uh, apparently was listening to the show on Monday. And failed to understand what I was saying and wrote to me oh I'll have to tell you what it is because there's the music and when we get back uh, I hope she's listening Carolyn and I uh, hope you're listening about what I'm going to say about uh, the issue of walking out on a church uh, what I did on Sunday and why we'll get back after these messages and uh, please stay tuned It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. I hope you're enjoying it. And before the break, I mentioned an email I got. I'm going to read it to you and uh, then address it. It says, uh, do you have children? Your radio show last evening was sad. You walked out of a service because there are children present? And then it says Matthew 9, 33-37 comes to mind. Um, and that was the, uh, that's the email. And so what I, I, uh, I spoke on, on on Monday 
was having gone to a church and uh, this left during the sermon. And it had nothing to do with children being there. It had to do with the, the lack of, in my opinion, uh, depth uh, and fidelity to the scripture. And uh, I, I get very tired of going to a church where stories, illustrations, anecdotes, and quotes from varying books that are not biblical uh, is the substance of the, of the sermon. And I'm just fed up with it. I'm tired of it. It's, it's as though the, the preachers and teachers in so many places, they, they think that the Word of God needs help. And so they, they have to cater uh, their messages to, to the lowest common denominator, which is the uneducated Christian who doesn't know anything. And the reason they don't know anything is because they're not been taught much of anything. Hey, I'd like to be in a church... It'd be an impromptu discussion. I say the pastor is uh, say there's a thousand people in a church, and there's an unusual situation on a Sunday morning, and he asks me to come up and just quiz the congregation. Let's just say there's a weird thing like that that would happen, and I'm going to preach out of it too. And I said, okay, let me ask you some questions. I just want to see if uh, you know your hands, and uh, you know how many believe that there's only one God. You know, it, just stuff like this. And I would get to the point where I'd say, how many believe that Jesus is a man right now? And to see what the what the uh, what the hands would be, because generally uh, people don't know. It, it, and uh, you know what is justification? How many could define justification? If I called on you, just raise your hand. You know, and most people can't do it. It's just this basics like this. I've seen this uh, this is the case so many times, and I think that the pastors are making a huge, huge mistake by not uh, teaching from the pulpit the theology that needs to be woven into and through and revealed from the scriptures that they're preaching out of. It's called, uh, I don't like, uh, you know, skipping stone theology. You just skip over the surface of, of a topic and you don't get down deep. And I, I, I'm sick and tired of it. It's just me. I'm sick and tired of it. And so... Uh, when I go to a church, I go, okay, you know, let's see, get to the word. And I remember uh, recently I went to a church. It was seven minutes of introduction and stories before they got to the text. Seven minutes. What the heck is wrong? And another one, uh, they got to the text with after two minutes and then went to the text and uh, turned it into a, you know, a step-by-step -step, uh, procedure and then went to a book and then quoted the book for uh, a few minutes. It's just some secular, I mean, not secular, but a, a Christian book. What's this got to do with this, with, you know, what's it got to do with anything? I just, I just said, I'm out. And I, I just want to be there. I, was, I just, well, I'm leaving because I'm not being fed. And I think they're doing a disservice to the body of Christ. That's my opinion. Well, what I, I did on Monday, I, I mentioned this kind of a thing. But what I've I said was that there are good pastors out there, and two of them, Two of them, uh, they, they're good congregations, good pastors. They teach the depth of God's word, but they have children in the uh, the sanctuary. And I also mentioned, and I hope Carolyn's listening to this. The reason I can't handle children in the uh, in there is because of my autism, because I have a hearing problem and a hearing disorder, and I I tend to focus, and when there's too many sounds around me. I can't process uh, too much and I get overloaded and I, I can't focus and I have to leave 
It's just the way I am. I'm not knocking anybody having children in congregation. That's what they want to do. That's what they want to do. Praise God. I don't care about that. What I care about is my inability due to my Asperger's and my 80 decibel ringing in both ears that has caused me to not be able to process too many sounds all at once. And this is why when I, I'm in the car with my wife, we can't have the radio on because I can't handle the road noise conversation ringing in my ears and radio. It's just too much sound for me. And so that's why, you know, that's why when I go to churches, if they have children in the congregation, I, I'm not able to, to enjoy the sermon because I get distracted by the noises that the children do. Most people, they don't have that problem. And, and that's okay. Praise God. It's not their problem. It's a concern that I have. It's a problem that I have. And my friends, if they were here in a room, I, I could just hand a mic to them and say, do I have hearing problems when I'm with you guys? They go, yes. <laughs> This <laughs> is how it is, all right. So uh, that's what. Uh, that's why, and I kind of resent it that someone would be so judgmental about uh, me and just say I'm going to leave because children are present. That's not what I said. Oh, if children are present and they <laughs> they're not disruptive, that's okay. It's just that children are disruptive, and it's, you know, God bless them. You know, they. I've been in churches. I can still. <laughs> Oh, I was at this good church in Boise, and uh, they had kids in the congregation. Okay, fine, praise God. And <laughs> to my right, there's a kid with a, a crayon and stuff tapping on on a book, <laughs> scribbling and tapping, and no one's paying attention to the kid. I'm like I'm staring at the kid, like excuse me and uh so you know i move back and uh try and get but then there's more kids behind me it's like ah oh. so i i can't handle it that's all and um in fact you know how superman has kryptonite is his weakness i have one and people know about it it's crinkling bottles you know those really thin plastic bottles you have water and the crinkling sound of those things if i was in a debate with someone and they just started crinkling their, their bottle that's it it's over for me <laughs> I'm, I lose. I can't handle it. I can't process it. And uh, it's kind of funny. So uh, plastic bags don't bother me that much. But maybe Laura, <laughs> maybe somebody you can call up and tell me your experiences with my with my hearing stuff. Yeah, that's right, man. That's my... It'd be good for people to do that, I think. They could complain publicly. How are you? Yeah, I remember we were in a car together and... I couldn't believe you know, whatever all right so there you go all right so i hope that helps and um i hope that's <laughs> that's interesting but you know what here's here before i get to the caller um god uses broken vessels you know and uh and that's it people have all kinds of problems all kinds of different ways and so um he just uses us you know what he's good praise god let's get to ryan from pennsylvania ryan welcome you're on the air uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I wanted to um, kind of um, uh, agree with you about what you were seeing in churches and things like this. Um, I started, I was contemplating going into the ministry, and back in 1980, I started seeing that uh, that sermons were becoming sales pitches rather than teachings, and uh, that um, hmm. the, the pastoral position that when I was growing up was called a noble calling just became a career, just like any other career. A doctor, lawyer, accountant, and, oh yeah, you can be a pastor too. And um, and wow. the, the consequence of this has been that um, churches do not treat congregations like disciples, they treat them like customers, that they've got a product to sell and they're the ones who are supposed to buy it. Hmm. 
And um, that's the conclusion I came to. And that's why, you know, congregations want to pay money to the pastor or pay money to the staff. Let them do the job of Christianity because that's what they're paying them to do. And congregations don't want to be made disciples because they would be responsible. And pastors don't want to teach them because it's going to uh, um, jeopardize uh, the product that they're selling, which is the gospel of Christ. And it's idolatry from beginning to end. Okay, so Ryan, you and I have disagreed on a lot of things, but man, I'm taking notes from what you're saying. Oh, sales pitch, treated like customers, from a noble calling to uh, to another profession. I, I, wow, I yeah. so agree with you. I don't think it's as bad as you yeah. said, but yeah. man, there's a lot of truth in there. It, it, I, I agree well, with Matt, you. Well, Matt, right now, the way people determine what is a successful ministry is whether or not they increase in membership and increase in money. Nothing that's else. That's what I've been saying. And it's being taught. That's how they judge it. And it is. That's how they judge it, yes. And yeah. it's being taught in seminaries in just about every denomination. The purpose-driven church yeah. is nothing more than a marketing and uh, advertising scheme to sell the gospel. It is nothing more than that. Well, you know, the seminary I went to, that wasn't part of it, I can tell you. It wasn't about um, uh, congregation size. It was about fidelity to the Scripture and preaching the Word of God. And they took the the, the, uh, the profession, so to speak, or the calling, I should say, mm -hmm. of pastor. They took it very seriously. And there was, uh, mm -hmm. and I can tell you, there's, uh, that is a case from the seminary that I went to. But I, I, I can't mm -hmm. speak for other seminaries. But man, I like what you said. It's like a sales pitch. Treated like, and what I've, I don't know if you've heard me talk about it. It's like turning the scriptures into a five point or a five step uh, procedure to get mm -hmm. a better whatever it is. And I hate that stuff. That's, well, that's not what the, the scriptures um, are for. It, it, do a Google search on this. See what the structure is of a sales pitch. Do the, uh, see what the structure is for a political speech. Our sermons are exactly the same thing. Exactly. You go to, uh, to just about any church on any Sunday morning. They were selling the gospel, just like they would okay, sell hold on. a box of wine hold on. We, or we anything else. We got a break. I want to hear you, because this is good stuff. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm surprised you're saying this, but I totally agree with you. And I'm not liking that I agree with you, but I do. So hold on, buddy. We'll be right back after these messages. We have uh, three open lines, 877-207-2276. Be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Let's get back on with Ryan. And uh, All right, uh, thank you for letting me hang around. Yeah, you know what, Ryan, I, I've seriously, uh, I just got to give you some, some kudos. I did just what you said during the break, and I... Wow. So I went to Constant Contact and uh, yeah. how to start a sales pitch. A successful yeah. sales pitch starts with a captivating opener. The goal of crafting a yeah. strong opening to your sales presentation is ultimately to entice potential customers and hold their attention long enough to incite them to hear you out. And it also says uh, yeah. provide a warm welcome, welcome, introducing yourself with a personal detail or two. Explain why your product you or service is special. I'm like, dude, that's a mm -hmm. that really is good. In fact, you've actually motivated me to write an article on this. Seriously. Well, the um, um, and uh, at the end of the sales pitch, you asked for the sale. Well, at the end of the sermon, you asked for an altar call. It's exactly the same thing. Exactly the same procedure. Yeah, 
Now, here's the thing, though, because, okay. you know, I agree with you. However, there's still truth in the idea of I don't have a problem with an altar call personally. Uh, not that an mm -hmm. altar call in itself saves you, but it's just the act of publicly mm -hmm. proclaiming and receiving. I don't have any problem with that. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I got saved at an altar call, not that that makes it right or wrong. But, uh, mm -hmm. I'm gonna, you know, the idea of, of what I've complained about, and, and I was on a, in, a, on a church, in a church service Sunday, and I just walked out uh, halfway through the sermon because mm -hmm. I got tired of, of the scriptures being, I'm calling quite a new phrase here, uh, skipping stone theology. It's just over the surface yeah. of stuff. And then it went into well, a book, some book. Yeah. I don't want to hear about some book. You know, hear the word well, God. let me explain something to you. And um, obviously, I'm much more cynical and skeptical about this than you are. And the reason is because in the 80s, I was heavily involved in a church that I dearly, dearly loved. And I'm sure you're familiar with what happens in what they call a church split. Well, there's a group of people that are split out, and there's a, person, uh, a bunch of people that are split in. Well, I was one of the ones that was split out, okay, which got me into um, researching these things and, and really caused a, a, um, a crisis in faith in my life. And so I actively pursued um, the, the greatest critics uh, that um, history has to offer, and I wanted to see exactly what they said about my faith and find out whether or not my faith was worth believing. And in the process, I came across all of these things, and I talked to a lot of pastors um, that, um, you know, very, very conservative denominations and everything. And this is the pattern that they're teaching. It's exactly like a sales pitch, exactly like a political speech. Um, it's, um, and it's designed to um, increase numbers and increase money. And that's the emphasis. And, um, you know, and I, I remember talking, about, uh, talking with a guy that had just gotten out of seminary, and had just gotten his first church, and he was writing down a sequence of things that he wanted to accomplish as a pastor. And it was like, in the first five years, I want a church of this size. Then I want one larger than that in the next five years, larger than that in the next five years, just like you would plan out any other kind of career. And um, that's what it became. And you um, you you cozy up to the uh, upper ups and the uh, and the uh, denomination to get to the plum spots, and you. Um, it's it's a corporate ladder to be climbed, just like any other corporate ladder, and uh, it's all about buying wow. and selling the gospel. Yeah, there's some truth to it. I don't know how you, know, you are you are more cynical about it than I am, but uh, yeah. but there, I, you you actually made a, a really good. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Uh, that's good credit where it's due. You made a really good observation, sort of sales pitch, and I thought, yeah. it is. It kind of is. And then I went and looked. Dude, you are absolutely spot on. And uh, mm -hmm. so, yeah, and, and, and you're right, it's to increase uh, the numbers. That's not our job. I've told mm -hmm. people over the radio, it's not, our job is not to increase uh, the numbers. Our job is to equip the Christians. And I say, I've said right. this so many times, preach to thin the church out. Not that we want to lose members, mm -hmm. but you want to preach the truth such that those who God is calling to hear the word and be equipped by the mm -hmm. word, they're going to be the ones who are going to stay and get fed. And the dross the goats are going to leave and they'll go to the United mm -hmm. Methodist Church or the Catholic Church, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, well, like you say, you know, this has been something I've observed for, what, 43 years now. That was the, uh, the time I was involved in a church split. And, uh, you know, and uh, in, the, in the midst of this church split that was going on, you know, the senior pastor lied to the congregation about what was going on. They purged the, um, the, uh, the membership roles of the people that were split up 
So they never had a voice to be able to say anything within the church about what had happened. And they're shattered lives that are the results of these things that they simply do not care about because it, it's not a part of their numbers. It's not a part of uh, the increasing the numbers and increasing the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the money within their denomination. And that's what they're focused on continually. Yeah, a lot of them do. Uh, I do know, I can mm-hmm. tell you, though, I know some pastors uh, here locally. They're godly men, and there's no way that that would fit into their... They're not concerned about numbers. They're concerned about fidelity to the Scripture and uh, teaching the, the mm-hmm. people of God. So they're there. I have no but, doubt there are sincere folks out there. I, I have no doubt about that. But if you ask any of them and ask them about these, th- these things that I just brought up, they're fighting these things all the time. They are yeah, uh, within so- their, their fellow preachers and the people that supervise them. They are fighting these trends all the time, every single one of them. Well, you know why? I mean, because here in America, uh, success is measured by um, material uh, things. It's material measurement of You're success. exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And, um, and, and again, it's like they're, um, it's marketing and selling the gospel, and um, as long as you keep increasing, uh, then that's, uh, like I say, take a look at the purpose-driven church. The purpose-driven church is uh, a model of advertising, marketing, and selling the gospel for profit. That's it. It's exactly the same thing as you would do with any other product. Yeah, that's uh, that's a problem. Uh, increase of, of uh, a bank account, yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of um, George Mueller, uh, sure. the Orphan King. Well, he's my hero. Mm-hmm. I mean, he died in, I think, mm-hmm. 1898, and I just I have such mm-hmm. admiration for the guy. When he got I saved... I a lot of things by Miller. Oh, good. And you, mm-hmm. You'll probably know this then. That he he was mm-hmm. called eventually when he got saved and, and stuff when he served God, and I never forgot this. He uh, was called to a small church, and he, they wanted him to, to be his preacher. I'm trying to remember this as I'm speaking it, so I'm not articulating it as smoothly as I'd like. But he said he would under uh, two conditions. And one of them was to get rid of uh, pew rentals or pew sales, which I never knew what that was, but to find out, it's where certain people in the church could pay a little bit extra in the tithing Uh to get to sit in front of the Uh church. And he said, get rid of that. And the other thing Uh he said, that the elders were the only ones who were to know about this, was that he would only be a pastor there as long as the tithing came in to support him. And that the pastors, the elders were not to tell the congregation that he was relying on the tithes, but that uh, they were just to, to tithe just freely. And because, you know, he's got to live off the, the, the tithes, okay, that's not, that's not a problem. And so he said, only in that condition, you don't tell him that. And he says, he says that's how I'll know how long God wants me here. And I never forgot that. Because it had nothing to do with money being the goal or the number of people being the goal. His concern was preaching mm-hmm. the word to equip the Christians uh, that people who were given to his charge by God Almighty. Mm-hmm. And he took it very seriously. You know, similar, um, similar sorts of things John Wesley did, believe it or not, and um, Leonard Ravenhill um, and um, uh, Spurgeon was very much like that. Uh, so, yeah, there's been... Um, you know, John Wesley was um, uh, making about 1,500 pounds a year at a, at a time when 20 pounds a year was a lot of money. Well, he gave it all all away except for 18 pounds. 
So he lived less on uh, on less than what the average person would live at that time. Uh, you know, C.S. Lewis, uh, with all the books that he sold and everything, it all went into a trust fund and went into um, into charity work. So I mean, there's examples that we can look at um, that that show the way. And but you know, it's like. Um, you ask anybody, is there any ministerial position, any pastoral position that's worth a million dollars a year? You know, and, um, you know, and take a look at how many are becoming millionaires and billionaires. And it, it's, again, I'm much more cynical and skeptical about this. I have no doubt that there are um, uh, sincere folks out there that are genuinely interested in, um, uh, you know, in authentic spreading the gospel and authentic discipleship and things like this. But like I say, these are the reasons why my, my experience with church splits and different things is the reason why I take a much more cynical and skeptical approach to it. It's very hard for me to sit in a congregation and listen to a sermon and not think, well, are they giving me this sermon because they are interested in my spiritual well-being, or are they, um, interest, are they preaching this because they want my money and they want my vote uh, and they want my wife? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, money, power, and sex. And so you know, you're nailing, you don't even know what you're saying to me. Um, We watched, my wife and I watched a thing on the FLDS, uh, the the Fundamentalist Mm -hmm. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I've been saying Mm -hmm. for years, you can tell a cult started by a man, money, Mm -hmm. power, and sex, you know, women. Yeah, and uh, it's FLDS is, is so much like that, and that's how Mormonism got started. Also, mm-hmm. same kind of thing. But mm-hmm. you just said the, the sure. three exact same things I, I've been saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And um, mm-hmm. you know, I another example that I ran across another friend of mine was um, born raised in um, a very predominant denomination. I won't say which one at this point. And um, he uh, went to Bible school and seminary in this denomination and was being uh, interviewed by a staff. Uh, then he had a meeting with the senior pastor, and um, he, uh, he said, I hope you, uh, he said, I wanna tell you that you're not gonna have to worry about any skeletons in the log pile with me, because I went through college and seminary and I remain virgin. And uh, the senior pastor went out for a second, and he said, well, um, we've got three women that'll take care of that problem for you whenever you're ready. So the senior pastor was arranging liaisons for his staff. Okay. These are the sorts of things that are going on right now. And uh, this is the reason why I remain skeptical. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's lots of stories like that. I know of a church locally where um, the the manipulation of the pastor to get the congregation to clean his house, take care of his personal needs. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was violence associated. Not all pastors are like that. But good persecution will clean all of them out. And that's what we, we will yeah, need. Sure. And not that I want that, but that's what would happen. They'll just find another career. Church. They would have to. They'll just find another career. Man, that's, yeah, I like that. Boy, that's good stuff, Ryan. You, but I'm really tickled mm-hmm. by the connection of the sales pitch. I never thought about that, mm-hmm. but you're right. You're well, there was a, a gentleman a couple of months ago that published a book. His last name is Nussbaum, N U S S D A U M. And he, he put together a book about political speeches. And if you go through the, the list that he says, this is what you do in a political speech, it's exactly the same thing as sermons today. Well, now what we should do, we don't have time because we're almost out of time here, is to discuss what ought to be done. That's the thing now. You see, mm-hmm. I'm intrigued. 
but I really like what you said. We're almost out of time here. But uh, okay. So well, thanks for taking my stuff. call. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I do. I appreciate what you had to say. Really, seriously, I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right. All right. So, you, okay, that was Ryan, and we've had a lot of disagreements, but man, he nailed it. Uh, good stuff. Hey. There's the music. I'll be out of here on tomorrow's Friday and hate mail and stuff like that. If you want to give me a call, well, then you got to wait till tomorrow. May the Lord bless you. Have a great evening. Oh, by the way, I'm teaching Bible study tonight. Maybe if people show up because people are sick. Hey, we'll talk to you later. Another program powered by the Truth Network.